0: Welcome to COVID-19 Public Health Policy and Culture. I'm Dr. April Moreno, presenting information from various sources about the COVID-19 pandemic from public health policy and cultural perspectives. We will be sharing international accounts from policy, public health response, and even personal experiences firsthand about living in this era of COVID-19. So you probably are aware by now that we use Anchor.fm here on this podcast for COVID-19 PPC. And I wanted to tell you about Anchor.fm because this is actually the second uh, podcast hosting software I've used. And um, I really like it. I love how easy it is to use. I love the fact that it's free. And they have so many tools here like music and all these different options that help you record and edit your podcast either from your phone or your PC or your computer. And then Anchor distributes your podcast for you so that it can be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more places. And then also you can even make money from your podcast with minimum, with no minimum listenership. And it's all you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you're new to podcasting and you're interested in um, getting started, I recommend Anchor.fm. So What you can do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Um, That's my recommendation. And, um, you know, after almost a year of podcasting, I'm really glad I found Anchor just recently. It just makes things so much easier. And uh, yeah, come check out anchor.fm. Welcome to this episode of COVID-19 Public Health Policy and Culture. I'm Dr. April Moreno and today we are talking about another part of the United States as we look at health disparities and the way COVID-19 has caused health disparities or shown the disparities in our country among different populations and cultures. Today we speak to someone who's an educator who's been close to two decades in New Mexico, in the Gallup part of date. Even before that, I'm going to refer to this article I just saw here. This is dated May 1st and basically the governor of New Mexico had declared a state of emergency in the city of Gallup to mitigate the spread. It says here that the roads were closed into the city and Michelle Lujan Grisham, the governor of New Mexico, placed this emergency restriction to control the outbreak in the region so we're seeing a situation where mckinley county gallup in mckinley county having 1027 positive cases of covid 19 where this is 30 percent of the state's cases and has the most number of positive cases in the entire state so we're seeing a lot of disparity here happening in a region that is very much native american In terms of population, the Navajo Nation has extended a state of emergency declaration which extends into Utah, Arizona, and New Mexico. This is a very challenging time here, and in this episode you'll be hearing a little bit more about the cultures and the majority-minority aspect of this region, education, access to resources like even water in some communities is limited. And then the fact that it can be like a hundred mile drive to get to the nearest Walmart so that you can have basic services and goods for your home. Quite a story. And hearing about border towns, previous to this episode, I always thought border towns were kind of like, we use them a lot at the Mexico border for the most part, more so than the Canadian border in our conversations in the United States. But in this episode we learn about how border culture border cities are bordering tribal lands. These reservations these are also referred to as border border towns. I hope you enjoy this episode and learn as much as I did from the episode about New Mexico and in this region in Gallup in McKinley County and the education system where there tends to be this sort of competition for number 50 of the 50th ranking in the state for education. It's quite eye-opening if you're new to the region. I think you'll learn a lot from this episode. All right, thank you so much for listening to this episode of COVID-19 Public Health Policy and Culture. Today, we're speaking to Martin, who is located in New Mexico. He's a teacher in the area. He's been there for several years. So I'm really looking forward to hearing about what COVID-19 has been like in the community that he works in, the population that he serves. Welcome, Martin. Thanks for being here.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. So just to tell you a little bit about myself or for the audience, um, I've been living in New Mexico for 17 years. I, I work as an educator, uh, K-12. Most of my career, been working in Northwest New Mexico, which is uh, borders Gallup, McKinley County, Cebola, Uh, San Juan County area of New Mexico, which is primarily Navajo Reservation. I've worked uh, for the Gallup-McKinley County Schools and the Zuni Public Schools. Um, Currently, I'm um, staying, uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic, in um, a little community west of Gallup, which is a community of Mintmore. I'm here with uh, my girlfriend and her daughter. I've been doing good. I'm in good spirits. We're all in good spirits, uh, taking care of each other trying to navigate these uh, strange days.
0: Definitely strange days. What has it been like in terms of work? Are you working with your students right now on Zoom? How is that happening in terms of technology and access?
1: So there's uh, different approaches that different public school districts are taking. The difficulty with teaching online um, in New Mexico is the fact that we're a rural state and there's still issues of general access on account of infrastructure, a lack of fiber optic cable, the fact that kids don't have families, don't have the means to provide also technology in their homes. So outside of New Mexico, I think the digital divide now is defined by not so much whether you have access to like fiber optic it's more like how you use the technology most people have phones here you still have those issues Gallup McKinley County Schools what they're doing um, they're doing packets which I don't necessarily think uh, is a very effective way of uh, you know imparting instruction Albuquerque public schools are doing a continuous learning plan where they're basically trying to integrate blended learning and they've purchased many Chromebooks but being that Albuquerque is much more urban and much more dense and they have infrastructure that's more feasible there. It seems like it's a patchwork approach with respect to how we're um, trying to meet the needs of children and families. I think that the difficulty, too, is that I think a lot of people were caught off guard with respect to COVID. And many school districts have scrambled to try to, to navigate the right policies to meet the needs of families and children. One of the things um, that was interesting is that before Albuquerque Public Schools, for example, before the state decided to shut down schools, an hour before the announcement, Albuquerque Public Schools sent an email basically trying to, to explain to parents that they were committed to keeping the schools open for the remainder of the school year, and they were caught off guard. So what you have is a lot of muddling through, I think. People trying to navigate the appropriate responses in varied ways without without any clear approach. And that's why you get the patchwork. I think the difficulties on the reservation, as I mentioned earlier, for reservation communities, whether it's in Navajo Nation or uh, Pueblos is, uh, for some families, access to technology or even something as simple as access to infrastructure. Many people live in communities without access to the internet unless it's satellite internet, so.
0: Can you tell us a little bit more about the demographics of the students that you work with?
1: That's one of the big uh, issues, I think, with respect to to disparities, demographics of students, not only the economic, but also the racial and the social demographics that I think impart different outcomes for kids' education. And what's interesting, uh, I primarily work right now in a bilingual school that focuses on Spanish language. But uh, most of my career has been with Native Americans. And here in Gallup-McKinley County, the majority of the student population, I would say, over 80% of the student population are Native American. So what's interesting is within that, it gets very complex because we're a very large county. And Gallup-McKinley County Schools, the school district is very, very uh, spread apart. You have a very unique cultural demographic here. but. The communities themselves are very different. So you have communities that are very, very rural, coupled with communities that are close to what we call the border town, which is Gallup, and it's they call it a border town because it borders the reservation. And then you have other communities that geographically, they're closer to other places, but they, we still service them here in the county. There's the interplay of geography. There are the unique cultural demographics related to Native American populations. Within Gallup itself, you're, it's a very diverse area. You have uh, many different ethnicities here. For a, a small town, it's pretty remarkable. You have a sizable Hispanic population. You also have a sizable Asian population, which consists of mostly Filipinos and Palestinians, which are historical. You also have a historic African-American population that's very... It's small, but it's significant in terms of the history of the area. There's all these different interesting demographic dynamics, I think, here in the area, and in New Mexico in general, we're a majority minority state. It adds to the complexity of how to adequately meet the needs of people with sound policy, right? That's culturally responsive and also takes into account the unique experiences of people. With respects to Native American, what's interesting, I think people have this monolithic idea of what it means to be Native American, and, you know, every community is different. Yeah, it's a very unique area. Uh, New Mexico in general is one of its strengths is its diversity. But at the same time, there's a lot of disparities because of social economics and often racialized.
0: Can you describe a little bit about what that is and culturally or historically? And what can you say about that demographic or cultural dynamic?
1: Yeah, so northwest New Mexico... Some people might call it the heart of Native America. It's comprised of mostly the Navajo Nation. You have a lot of people, Four Corners area, the majority of which are Native. And there's also Pueblos. There's the Pueblo of Zuni and uh, Hopi. It's a very different in terms of, of like cultural understanding, values, and it's intersected by the, these historical forces related to colonization, the history of the area with respects to the dispossession of native people. There's a lot of things about this area. Uh, some people call it a contested homeland too. There are different people that have different understandings of who belongs, who doesn't. New Mexico in general is that way. So the dynamic too here revolves to around the politics of border towns. So Gallup itself is considered a reservation border town. Border towns have a infamous history where a lot of their wealth is based off providing services for Native people. And and there's a nefarious connection, too, with packaged liquor. A lot of the social problems that have been aggravated by economics of border towns, which I think is affecting the pandemic. And there's this article that was pretty interesting, the title of it, in Atlantic Monthly, about how it wasn't so much that the pandemic broke the United States, it's that it exposed what was broken already. And you're starting to see that in McKinley County with respect to what's happening with COVID-19. We right now in the county have the highest per capita rate of infection because the majority of our county is on the Navajo Reservation. And it's it's grown disproportionate for many reasons. It's a complex thing. You've only tested, I think, 4,000 people in this county. And there's already over 600 people who've tested positive for it. Compared to Albuquerque, the urban area, that's the densest city in New Mexico, there's around 700,000 people who live in the in the area, and they have less people identified with 20,000 COVID tests. So, I mean, there's all these things that are adding to the epidemic being fueled here in a disproportionate way, and it's it's affecting people's life outcomes. You know, a lot of people are dying, and there's a lot more that goes into it. One of the vectors here for the, the pandemic is it has to do with a lot of people who come into town. They're not homeless. They're somewhat drifters who, they're people who have substance abuse issues with alcohol. So they come here because it's a border town and they'll drink and they'll buy their liquor, but they interact with other people. And it's, it's aggravated the problem for a lot of communities. They've, they've been exposed to it in one of the detox centers, they bring it back to their communities. And then the communities themselves, many communities in that what we call the outlying areas, if you're you're from Gallup, don't have running water. So apart from not having running water and people living in multi-generation houses with elderly people, you also have a, a lack of information because of the lack of infra- infrastructure. And a lot of people, it's sad to say, uh, apart from not from them not being informed, the information here, it's very limited because it's a rural area. We get more information, I think, from the state than you do from the local newspapers. And local newspapers are very, they don't respond in adequate time in terms of publishing relevant information. The state had to basically also send a National Guard in here to the city of Gallup for the fact that being that we're a border town, you know, the city of Gallup provides a lot of the services for the surrounding area so you have a lot of people that come from 100 miles away just you know you don't find a lot of these services on the reservation so what ends up happening is you have a place like walmart although the city of gallup only has a um, population of around twenty thousand people the walmart itself is 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 usually super packed because um offer services for people from over 100 miles away 100 mile radius so a lot of people come, and the social distancing hasn't been practiced. I think for for many reasons. Um, some of it is a lack of information. Some of it too is is um, not a clear understanding of how the virus works by many communities. It's just aggravated the problem. So right now, I think our doubling rate at one time last week was every two days. There's a lot of issues here with respects to how COVID nineteen is affecting. The populations from town and from outside of town. And a lot of these, like I said, are election of some of the things that were already broke the system in terms of border town politics and you know how border towns work.
0: And the United States. It's not Canada. It tends to be this Mexico US border. But this is the first time I've heard this border town being referred to the difference between general US geography and then tribal lands. That's really interesting. For me to hear it for the first time but also hearing about the disparities and they're very clear hearing about how much distance people have to travel just to get basic services basic food and products that they need for their home this hundred mile distance what you said about how COVID-19 is not showing us anything really new it's just highlighting what is already a problem but it's also exacerbating the problem because you're seeing this illness the spread of yeah. disease and then potentially more serious effects from the virus. I am curious to hear about how people have been doing. Have you heard about a lot of crisis in terms of hospital overcrowding? Have people been getting treatment?
1: People have been getting, I think it's interesting. I think the state has been very proactive. Our governor, um, Grisham, she, she was very, very wise. The sense that she, we were one of the first states to close our schools, to actually put limits on, on businesses. And we were very proactive. So I think for being a poor rural state, I think the governor's done an excellent job. And part of that is the fact that, you know, before she was governor and before she was a congresswoman, uh, the governor actually was in charge of the Department of Health Health for the state. So we closed our schools before New York City. We I think we closed our schools a couple hours before California did. The governor understood that in the state, we had to flam the curb. And for the most part, in the whole state, with the exception of the northwest part of the state, which is where I'm staying right now, uh, they've done a pretty good job. The city of Albuquerque has mitigated a great disaster on account that when the pandemic hit the the uh, New Mexico, if I'm not mistaken, there were only 50 available intensive care beds in the state that were open. It was very important uh, to actually try to mitigate the spread on account that we didn't have enough hospitals and our rural, we're a rural state and a lot of our rural you know, health system is already strained as it is. There's a lack of uh, doctors um, in many rural areas. And there's a lack of things like beds. So what's happened is uh, here in this area that I think are, are a good thing. One of the things is uh, testing has been widely available here for some time. Uh, when you know, other states were scrambling, you had uh, testing going on at the you know IHS Indian Health Services, um, and you had that going on in Zuni and in Gallup. Apart from our local hospital within its own within the more of a county. The system, RMCH, they started uh, giving, providing tests, which is pretty remarkable, being that there was a time when this pandemic started that we were one of the states that had the most testing per capita. And the goal of the governor was to test as many people. The other thing, too, is that the governor has strategically placed resources. So here in the city, they've actually converted one of the local high schools here as a, a field hospital. So they've already given the go-ahead and they've already started using it with uh, 55 additional beds to meet the needs. Not only people from town, but people from the surrounding areas. The difficulty though right now is the fact that here in northwest New Mexico, it's still growing, it's still doubling much faster than it is in other places here in the state. Part of it is the fact that the Navajo Nation is also in in other states, and you have different policies that are happening there outside of the reservation. The other thing, too, that's happened inadvertently, a lot of the spread that started happening on the Navajo reservation had to do initially with religious gatherings. So you had evangelical revival in Arizona, that happened and usually people will put up this big tent and have religious type of ceremony and there was one outside of Kayenta in a community called um, Chinchibeto which was the first cluster and out of that cluster you know people it spread all over you had unfortunate things happen like that that I I think when the state of New Mexico was closing um, its schools you were still having large gatherings happening in Arizona. Another thing that that was kind of interesting too here, and I I think part of it is the economics and the politics of like casinos. The casinos were not closed, and the majority of the people who who frequent the casinos uh, for the Navajo Nation are Navajo elderly people themselves. It took a week after the state of New Mexico shut down all types of venues and large gatherings and limited gatherings, for the Navajo Nation to respond within their own jurisdiction to close casinos which was interesting and you know I think it's just there was a lot of confusion I think part of it too is in rural states there's a lack of situational awareness sometimes by people who make policies on what's going on in other places around the world, because it's easy to get caught up with the local politics without understanding or seeing what's happening in Italy, you know, what it might vote for your own community. And I think that's true for a lot of communities here in the United States, people who did not have a situational awareness of what was happening in places like China, Italy, or Spain, or France. It was a little bit too late for people to respond once it started hitting. But relative to other states, I think, though, New Mexico is doing, in terms of its strategies, but there's a lot of
0: challenges ahead. Thank you for mentioning that. So in terms of the things that are going well, I think a politician um, who has done very proactive work in shutting down the schools earlier, even than California, and needs to be very concerned about the welfare of the population over there. And then in terms of things that could be improved, you had mentioned that there's still a general lack of information that's timely. So the newspapers tend to have more delayed information. So then you had mentioned a little bit of people's access to resources being reduced. It's like a challenge for some people to even have access to water. What is going well and what could be improved? Do you have any...
1: Yeah, so like I mentioned, the Governor, uh, she's done an excellent job. She has an understanding. We're like a, our state is very unique in the sense that we have some capacity, research capacity because we're home to some of the national labs. We also have great research institution at the University of New Mexico. and we have all these resources that we've been able to test people, and we've been able to mitigate it for most of the state. What's not working, I think right now is that as I mentioned, there are things that are have always been broken. It's interesting because it's amplifying or making the problem a lot worse communities like Gallup. The, right now, what's worrisome, too, is uh, uh, there is a, a city, somewhat like the sister city of Gallup, which is also a border town, which is the city of Grant, near Acoma and Laguna Pueblo. And so there's some politics going on in the sense that the state has these very clear, guidelines, not only social distancing, but what an essential business is, what what should be allowed to open, you know, what should be, shouldn't. And they're trying to enforce these by, uh, with fines. And the mayor grants trying to reopen its city. And some of the the local school leaders of one of the Pueblos has asked for, you know, respectfully for for them not to do that because it would be disastrous for their community. The interesting thing about it is the police is going to order cease and desist type of letters. The local authorities in the city of Grants are telling the local businesses that if they see the state police to call 911 to bring the local police to counter the state police. There's a lot of small-town politics, and they're they're aggravated by the fact that a lot of this stuff has to do with the fact that a lot of the rural communities are struggling economically. And there's a lot of historical racial things going on there with border towns, too. It's a complex, complex thing happening. I mean, grants has made um, national headlines because of what they're trying to do. Uh, the other thing that's interesting that what hasn't worked, and it's not so much about the COVID pandemic, it has to do with our budget as, as a state. So our state revenue, a lot of our revenue has come from the oil industry. I believe the Permian Basin is one of the most productive and not the most productive oil region in the world now. And with this double whammy, what's happened with not only COVID, but also the drop in oil, you have these huge budget shortfalls that are being projected for the state that are going to affect a lot of our rural communities that are already stressed enough economically. And um, there's a forecast that there's probably going to be a $2 billion shortfall between COVID and what's happened with oil. And it just... Highlights the fact that New Mexico has to develop a much more diversified economy in order to to navigate crises like these, um, not teacher cutbacks, but education cutbacks. You know, and we're a state that ranks usually 50th or sometimes 49th in the nation in terms of quality of our education. You know, we're always competing with Mississippi for for, for last in the country. So I think those are things that could be improved. And that you know aren't necessarily going well for the state. It might be uh well this COVID pandemic might be a great opportunity for leaders and policymakers to to think strategically and proactively about how to mitigate any other types of catastrophes.
0: It's not just the COVID pandemic that's an issue, but now you're looking at these other economic challenges as well. But I like that you mentioned that it's an opportunity to really look at these problems and see them and address them all at this time as well. How have your students been doing? Have you heard about students being affected by COVID-19 that you work with?
1: Yeah, so it's interesting. I've reached out to students and I've only been able to get a hold of a handful. And I think some of the students, they're having a very difficult time. Hey, right now I'm working with grade schoolers and they're having a very difficult time in the sense of isolation, staying inside, not being able to be there with their friends. The fact that sometimes the home environment is not the healthiest one in terms of space or in, t- in terms of like other things happening. I think a lot of our students are struggling. The thing, too, that's of concern for me and for a lot of our families is that a lot of our students suffer from asthma and respiratory problems. Eats in high proportion in many places here in New Mexico. I know one student in particular who whose parents were like extremely worried on account that the, the student usually has these bad respiratory infections. You know, there's a correlation I think between living in certain communities that have asthma, especially communities that are near uh, places like uh, a shale. You know, there's a shale industry or You know, in the city of Gallup, there is a, a refinery that's uh, outside of town. But yeah that's a th- I think a lot of families and, and students are struggling families themselves I think are finding it very difficult to try to like impart you know semblance of education when you don't have the resources of a school parents are stressed students are stressed it's interesting because you you might see people navigating so- social distancing in suburban settings but in rural and dense rural settings that that don't have Certain developmental assets. Something as simple as a sidewalk (laughs) or a small town here in Gallup, sidewalks are very hard to come by. You know, it just decreases the quality of life. I think the good thing about a rural area is that you do have space outside, but it's you know, there's a drawback to that in the sense you need to access space sometimes with vehicles and with that comes all this other thing, all these other things like
0: Well, how are you taking care of yourself at this time? How are you practicing self care and managing all of this
1: uncertainty. I think the most important thing for me in terms of managing routine, you know, I get up, have a routine every morning, put on my work clothing, you know, regardless of whether I have work or not. I have a make sure that I balance screen time too. Focusing on the mental environment, it's good to be informed, but it's also not good to let yourself be overwhelmed by news. I think too, it's like focusing on what's within your locus of control. You know, there's a lot of things that are uh, we tend to focus on that are beyond our control. And, you know, focus on little things, you know, things that might bring happiness. I'm very blessed in the sense that I'm staying here with my girlfriend and her daughter. Just having company and cherishing and developing the gratitude for being with others that you love. I'm very lucky in that respect. Routines for me are essential. And reaching out, too, to people. It's great hearing from uh, you and um, and G, talking to people who I haven't talked to for some time making sure that you, know, you connect with people. It may not be face-to-face, but you know it's an opportunity to reassess your values and to reconnect with friends. It's you know, very important.
0: It's a great time to reconnect with people. We have a little more time. We have less commuting out there, so we have some time to see how everyone's doing, check in, yeah, around the world even. Good to hear that things are going well, that you're managing this well. Still, though, what would you like the world to know at this time in terms of where you're located,
1: I would say for me, making sure that after this passes, which it'll pass, that people actually try not to only understand, you know, the sort of science of COVID-19, how it spread, but also looking at the systemic things that made the problem worse. Trying to really adequately address some of the issues in rural areas, poor rural areas of color that uh, affect the life outcomes of, of people, because these things are still going to affect folk in the future after COVID passes, and you know it makes a crisis like COVID 19 much worse. The other thing too, for me, I hope that people also learn that science matters. You know, I think we've had this fortunate trajectory in our country has undermined a lot of science and People think of science as uh, subjective. I think people, I hope people can actually start respecting it and holding it and giving it the holding it with respect and issues that have the potential of being catastrophic like climate change. And I hope people get some sort of an epiphany actually start valuing the experts, the people who know about these things, help impart policy that's based on Not so much politics, but, you know, good science.
0: Thank you so much for being here to talk to us today on the podcast. I really appreciate it, informing us about how things are going in New Mexico. Thank you so much, Martin.
1: All right. Thank you, April.
0: I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have any questions, any burning questions about COVID-19, feel free to send me a message in Anchor. Anchor.fm slash COVID-19 PPC is our website. And Until next time, stay well and take good care out there.